Hello, Texans, and welcome to the program originating tonight from Slammin' Sammy's at the Greenbrier overlooking the 18th Green. It's Texans All Access, and we are thrilled that you are with us this evening as we recap day two of Texans training camp. Two more days before they get their first day off of this session in 2018. Pads tomorrow, pads Sunday, then the off day Monday. But we'll be on the air Monday, 8 to 10 a.m. from the Houston Methodist practice fields and also have Texans All Access every night at 6 o'clock as usual. Johnny, how are you doing? Doing well. It was a good day of work today. I'm glad it's over mm-hmm. because tomorrow's pads. Yeah, tomorrow's a big day- deal. I'm a little tired of talking about wide receivers and DBs, to be honest with you. Let the really? big fella get the big. It's time for the big fellas to eat tomorrow. I put the pads on. All the talk can stop. I, I, a lot of the players I talked to, and, and it's funny. I'm, I'm curious now because I know back a long time ago when I when I played, there was always that group of guys. Yeah, wait till we get pads on. Wait till we get pads on. Then they'd put pads on, and they were the biggest wusses you've ever seen. So. I'm always curious of who talks the most trash in the locker room as they get ready for the first day in pads. Well, it's funny because you could come up with a little poll here. Who's going to really step up in pads? Who are we going to yep. notice tomorrow? Who, who are we going to talk about a lot more than we've talked about already? You know, as far as on the offensive mm-hmm. line, you're going to see Julio Davenport deal with the edge rushers that he's been presented with. And, man, just on that subject alone, Johnny, because we talked to Brian Gain today about offensive line, and you're going to hear that conversation in this program. When you think about the tackles, Davenport and Chantrell Henderson, it's so true that going up against Merciless and Wide every day yep. is so nourishing for their development. Yeah, no question. The, the, the amount, uh, you know, with J.J., he can, with both of them actually, but with J.J., he can throw so many different moves on you. He's so technical with what he can do to you, but if you start standing up kind of ready for that, he can bull rush you right back into the quarterback. Yeah. He's got that kind of power and explosiveness. With Whitney, he's got such a cadre of moves. You don't know if he's going to swipe, if he's going to rip, if he's going to swim. You don't know if he's going to spin. There's so many different things that Whitney has learned over the years that he can do to beat you, and that's what I think makes him so dangerous. I mean, I think about Solder last year getting beat on that sack that Clowney scored on. Solder kind of he got a chip from a running back, too. And Whitney still beat him because all Whitney did was swipe his hands down, rip underneath him, and he was gone. So I think it's going to be great work for Chantrell and for for Julian. And I, I wrote about that in the Harris Hurry Up today. I only I did I, I focused my one on one and seven on seven time with the DBs and wide receivers because you know the linemen aren't doing a whole heck of a lot, right. but they were going through the they were going through the dance steps, if you will for uh, one-on-ones. And so I looked over there one time, and I saw Julian lined up against J.J., and I was like, oh, i got to see this. How does this look? How does Julian get in position? Is he going to look like he's in position to block J.J.? And he was, and it looked good. And I'm like, okay, when he puts the pads on, can he stand up now against that strength? Because you know J.J.'s going to test him yep. try and bowl him and test him where he's weak, and he's going to find that weakness. And hopefully he doesn't find one. Hopefully he doesn't. Well, and and J.J.'s going to want to – He's going to want to prove that he's back. Absolutely. So, so that's why I think tomorrow is so much fun with those with Merciless and Watt back in pads and just seeing the big guys having a chance to be physical and put the shorts and jerseys off to the side or shorts and T-shirts off to the side and really bang on each other was going to be kind of fun. Well, we're going to have a lot of coverage tomorrow, and we're not going to be live on the air tomorrow. So I think what we'll do is I know I'm going to make a few little videos on Twitter and maybe put them on my Facebook Voice of the Texans page, which I have not been populating enough lately because I'm basically, 
you know, funneled in. I'm tunneled in, rather, yeah. on Twitter, yeah. on social media, Facebook for mostly personal use, and I really got to diversify the portfolio. I'm on Snapchat, but nobody seems to um, – well, nobody in a certain demographic seems to go to Snapchat. Should I put it that way? Yeah, I think you're probably right about that. It's a very young. We, we were, by the way, you and I really took a lot of heat this morning for our comment that millennials don't know what a postcard is. Yeah. And oh, I still mil- believe that. Millennials was, were saying, and, you know, it well, was an expression. You don't know what a postcard is. We know you know what it is, but you don't really know what it is. You probably have never sent one. Have you sent so one or received one lately? Who has? Exactly. Like I said, you take a picture exactly. on your phone, you send it, you text it. Our buddy, our buddy Raheel, who we know very well from back in Houston, he was like, he's like Landry, or uh, he was like, uh, Drew, thanks for standing up for the millennials. Yeah. I'm like, you're not a millennial. Yeah. Last time you sent a, well, last time you sent a postcard. Oh, he's I like mean, 40. There's no way. Oh. I mean, they're fun to get. They were fun to get back in the 90s. You get them from people like, hey, look, I'm in Australia. I mean, that was great yeah. to get. And you don't have to anymore. You just send a text picture and send a picture through text or send some through Snapchat or Instagram, and that's as good as a postcard. You just a, don't need it anymore. A few things Bill O'Brien mentioned today, the routine. He wants to see everybody get into their personal routine, the Texans' way, as quickly as possible. You get up the same time every day. You eat the same – not necessarily eat the same things, but eat the same time. You follow the routine. He said everybody's been off on their own, yep. and now we're back together. And that's how you be a great pro. And he said Whitney Merciless – he pointed this out, that yep. Whitney Merciless does that so well. And, of course, a number of other Texans. But he really cited him. He felt like talking about Whitney Merciless today because he feels like not enough people ask him about Whitney Merciless and the great pro that he is, and it's so great to have him back. Well, on our video, the players take, when they ask the players, I think it may have been Dylan Cole was talking about Whitney, and he said, you know, they've got those, those GPS units. I can't remember what the name of it is. I've, I've seen them a million times, and I can't remember what the system is called, but they've got these little discs that are in the back of their jerseys, and it measures everything. Their biorhythms, how far they've gone in practice, how much they're maxing out in practice. And I think it was Dylan. He was like, Whitney's off the charts every practice. Mm. Every practice he's off the charts. So, yeah, he, you know, I, I've, I said it last year. A lot of people would ask me, and I think it was very easy for people – to say, oh, there's no Watt, there's no Watt, there's no Watt. And I would say, look, not that, J- not, not that losing J.J. Watt is, you know, I'm not, not sloughing that off. But losing Whitney Merciless was key. Yeah. Because the way that he was progressing in his career, the fact that he could rush from every spot essentially up and down, we'd seen it. We'd seen him do it over center. We saw him do it on the left side. We saw him do it on the right side. We saw him do it with power. We saw him do it with speed. We saw him against Tennessee. One of the film rooms that we did was Whitney over Ben Jones, playing the run using just standing Ben straight up, shedding him and making a run on a third down run that Tennessee had got the ball back to the Texans. There were so many different things that he was doing. To me, I felt like, especially in that Chiefs game, that a lot of what Kansas City wants to do with the zone read and doing different things, that Whitney was going to be key. And early on, he had a stop in the game, and I remember thinking, that's the game plan. Where they position Whitney and how they move him around is going to be key. And then when I saw him down, I'm like, I didn't even have time to kind of go through all that. And all of a sudden you see J.J. down. I'm like, oh, man. Yep. But Whitney, to me, ends up being a guy that is so key because of all the different things he gives you. But, man, he is he's on, off the field. We know Whitney. Off the field, Whitney, is he's a sweetheart. He means the best guy you could run into on the field. That is a focused angry football player that I love. I mean, I love so smart, and his toolbox is so wide now. And I think I think OB's right. 
the fact that he's not talking about that he's not talked about a lot, which is a shame because we all talk about Clowney and why. I mean, those are the first two that come out. But I think for a lot of us that are closer to it, we think of Whitney and know how much more valuable he is than the national media sees him as. Well, you'll hear him on this radio program this evening, Texans All Access, and Dylan Cole. Let's go linebackers some more here, but we'll go inside with Dylan Cole, who is entering year two, John. And I love this because when you have a rookie who plays pretty well, now he got hurt, which is unfortunate for him, but he has two picks. I mean, how many linebackers have two picks in their career? And a touchdown. He has two picks as a rookie in limited action, relatively, but... We talk year one to year two jump. A big reason for that year two jump is something that we mentioned yesterday, which is you don't have all the pre-draft stuff. You yeah. can just focus on conditioning. First of all, getting over year one, right. recovering from that, and then focus on conditioning. Now he had to recover from an injury, but it wasn't uh, an Achilles or anything like It wasn't that yeah, catastrophic. Yeah. yeah, so he had a lot of time to work on his body, and he's ready for a sensational year two. I caught up with Dylan Cole after practice today. All right, so how do you like this place? Just like Springfield, Missouri? It's pretty close, uh, except uh, Springfield gets a little, Missouri is a little bit more extreme with the season, so during the summer it's actually pretty hot, so, but I'm glad to be out here, it's, a, it's, it's nice days, and it's definitely uh, not as muggy as Houston. What's the difference this year versus last year as far as just coming into the season and knowing your way around now? Yeah, I think it's just confidence and uh, understanding uh, what I have to do, and um, just I think even just the schedule, understanding uh, what my schedule looks like and um, how to how to treat my body within that schedule, and um, just being just being a little bit more comfortable with the system. Um, I know the the defense, so I don't have to uh, to worry about staying up two extra hours every night trying to figure out exactly what I have to do and uh, the new installs every day. So I think uh, just being more confident um, with myself and and, uh, with the team. So I think that's the biggest thing. The linebacker room, who's the guy who keeps it loose, keeps things light for you? I think everybody, yeah, we got a really good linebacker group, a really good core. So I think think everybody everybody, uh, does a good job of just – being being loose, being being fun, and but also knowing when to lock in, and uh, so we we got a really good group. I think everybody's everybody's a great guy, but also knows how to uh, knows how to be professional. You had two picks last year. A lot of guys don't go their whole career at that position without two picks. What was your reaction to that? Uh, I think uh, the first one was uh, was honestly a little unexpected. The ball came right to me. So, um, but I think uh, it, it was it's definitely special to me. I think um, there was a lot of more opportunities out there for me to to get a couple more out there, and I think uh, that's what I'm working towards. I don't want to just settle for two this year. I think uh, the more the better. So, uh, the more interceptions, uh, the higher chance that you get to you get to you get to play and you get the win. What do you tell people when they ask you why did you go undrafted? Um, not sure. I'm not sure. I, I think that's just uh, the way God wanted it, and uh, I think it, it made me a little bit more hungry last year. And um, I'm just excited to, that I get to be here and be here for my second year. What's it like with Romeo in charge of the defense now? Uh, he's like the Godfather, man. Uh, he's he's one of those guys that just keeps. He's like the glue of the defense. Just keeps us all together, and um, a, a great great guy, and also a great coach. So um, he's been in it for forever, longer than I've been alive. So. Um, yeah, he's, he's great to learn from and uh, uh, just great to be around. One more. How did you spend the break between OTAs and training camp? Um, I was here and there. I had a, a, a couple of camps I, I did and, uh, you know, made sure I was, I was training and uh, staying in the playbook. So uh, the season really never stops in the offseason. Thanks a lot, Dylan. Good luck. Appreciate it. So that's a player you can get excited about. Dylan Cole, year two, undrafted free agent last year. And I almost hesitated asking him about the undrafted question. 
What do you tell people when they ask why you weren't drafted? Because it's almost, for a lot of these guys, John, it's not just a chip on the shoulder, but they really do take it, I hate to say personally. I mean, I know Ryan Griffin still doesn't like it that he wasn't invited to the Combine. He's in year six. You're right. It is something that consistently drives those guys. Would you talk? I mean, even even to a guy like Tom Brady, you ask him about draft day, and he's, it, it it makes his skin crawl. Yeah. I mean, it's not a great memory. It's not a great memory when 256 picks go by, and 32 teams say, nah, we're not, we don't think you're good enough to get drafted." Right. And then you get here, as Bill O'Brien has often said. Look, it doesn't matter whether you get drafted. It's just that you're here. Now it's time for you to make plays. And we saw Dylan do that. From the day he set for with rookie minicamp or OTAs, I remember in his rookie year when I knew when I knew he was legit. The I think it was Deshaun. Deshaun ran a zone read, and Dylan was the linebacker on the side where the running back was going. So he was opposite. So he so Deshaun faked it and then rolled out the other way, and Dylan ran him down. I mean Deshaun kind of slowed up because he looked like he's a score. He'd see Dylan coming from the inside, and Dylan literally tagged off on him right at the goal line. And I thought, he just caught Deshaun from the other mm. side of the field? Mm. This guy, wow. And the one thing that the, – there's one play that always sticks in people's minds. For If you start talking about linebackers and you think about the passing game, there's always one play that stands out in a lot of people's minds. 2012, Stephen Ridley out wide and Barrett Rude covering him one-on-one. And for for Texans fans, that yeah. for some reason is a play they remember forever. Well, was it Shane Ravine? Uh, it, 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 it was Vereen. It was Vereen or Ridley. Oh, it was Vereen. It was Shane Vereen. Vereen. And he was down the sideline and beat Barrett Ridley. But it was like, ugh. And then they think of the playoff game. And they think BMAC trying to cover, uh, who was it, Deion Lewis, out of the backfield. Today I'm watching, I'm watching Dylan Cole and I'm thinking, there's not a running back. The running backs keep trying him. They keep trying to go deep on him. They see him, and they see where he is, and they're like, I'm just going to run by this joker. And they can't do it. Not one of these running backs can run by him. They can't go by him. It's like that, that Cleveland game. He's hip-to-hip with Duke Johnson down the field. I mean, he is a man-child yeah. for, a guy that, for a guy that doesn't have the, the prototypical size, the way he can run and hit and find the football. He just unfortunately isn't a defense where he's got Zach Cunningham and Bernardrick McKinney, but he's a very valuable chess piece to this whole thing. I can't wait to see him put the pads on tomorrow. It is going to be good. Dylan Cole and company putting the pads on tomorrow. All right, we're going to continue here on Texans All Access. Brian Gain coming up on the show. Whitney Merciless coming up on the show. And other stuff, including but not limited to today's answer to the question, how does Deshaun Watson look? Well, we've got plenty on that every single day of camp. It's Texans All Access.
It's the program keeping you up to date with your Houston Texans. Texans all access. And the Texans have concluded a couple of days of training camp practice here at the Greenbrier in West Virginia. Mark Vandermeer and John Harris with you as we are broadcasting from the golf course, Old White. They have several here, by the way. Old White is the one where you watch the PGA Tournament. That takes place annually. Man, you talk about a beautiful course. We've played that course, and there are so many here. I was doing an interview in Mississippi uh, with my friends down there in Mississippi, Head to Head Radio down there, and Richard Cross, who actually beat in Houston with the Abacare Texas kickoff with Ole Miss and uh, Texas Tech. He's the Ole Miss sideline reporter. And he said, first question, you're going to the Green Bar, you're bringing your sticks. And I was like, no. Everybody asks that. I know. And the, the funny part was when we flew into Raleigh-Durham, we had to get on a shuttle bus to get to the rental car place, and there was a guy that had – you could tell he was bringing his sticks. He, had, he, had, he didn't have any luggage. Mm-hmm. He just had his golf clubs, which is fantastic. And we were getting off, and I was like, oh, take care of those bad boys, and he kind of smiled at me. Because there are good places to golf in Raleigh-Durham. Nothing like this, though. Nothing like what's out here. I mean, it's just incredible what they have here. I'm the sure Empire. they have some beautiful golf in North Carolina. No, there's some. I mean, some. There's some. Well, they had the PGA Championship last year in Charlotte. Well, in Charlotte, yeah. Pinehurst. Yeah. Yeah, that. But that's that's not Raleigh-Durham. Okay, I got you. Now I'm getting all these texts and tweets, people who are shouting out about great (laughs) golf courses in Raleigh-Durham. So, great football fields here at the Greenbrier. Two natural grass, one artificial surface. We broadcast daily from there. Weekdays, 8 to 10 a.m., first couple of weeks of camp, and then... Every night, Texans All Access here at 6. So, Johnny, today's question, and it's every day's question, is how does Deshaun Watson look? What did you see today from the quarterback, from the passing game? Bill O'Brien said, yeah, today was another passing practice. Yeah, it was. You know, remember this morning I opened up with, eh, it's an OTA practice. That's what he said about yesterday's deal. And I guess you could call it that because you don't have the pads on and everything, but it's fun to watch for me anyway. It certainly is. We talk about, and I mentioned earlier, the big fellas putting the pads on. That's a big deal. It's a, mm. it's a huge deal for them. Tomorrow's a huge deal for Deshaun, too, because now he's going to be facing, facing live rush for the first time since Seattle. Mm-hmm. And that, although they've been going live in front of him, they have not been holding back. But to have that live rush, to know that there's going to be trash and chaos at your feet. To kind yeah, of guys falling over. That. Yes. That's the stuff you got to watch out for. Yes. That's how he got hurt in the first place. I know, exactly. And, I, and that's, that's something that he's going he's gonna to have to go through. It's not as if a quarterback has to take that. Maybe Jim McMahon did. But take a shot to kind of feel like you're in it. You don't really yeah. need that. But to get jostled around back there, you're going to get people at your feet. I, I, I hope at some point that somebody – does kind of bump him a little bit, and he realizes, I'm good, I'm good. I'm just back where I need to be. Yeah. But going in pads, yes, the big guys finally get a chance to hit, and that means that Deshaun finally gets that live rush. So I think that's fine for him to be able to do that tomorrow, and I'm looking forward to that. But as far as throwing a football, here's one thing that stands out to me, Mark, and I, and I said this to, to you and to Eric San Asensio as we were watching just individual, and I know this, this should be the case, you'd think, but when you watch, they, they split up at one point. They had defense on one field, and then they had the, the offensive linemen and tight ends were working out of the shoots, which is up by our radio tent. So literally on the field in front of us, on one end, it was tight ends. It was tight ends and running backs. On the other end, it was wide receivers. And they're just running routes on air. But the ball never hit the ground. It was beautiful to watch. I mean, it was it was like it was a symphony. I mean, it was like the ball was on time. The ball was where it needed to be. Guys were catching. I know people are like, well, it's on air. Yeah, it should be. 
But you know how many teams? On air means not, no defense. Right. But you know how many teams and how many other Texans teams prior to this, it wasn't the case? Yeah. We've where there would be balls flying. Yep. I mean, the ball was on time. It was where it needed to be. It looked sharp. It looked crisp. It looked clean. There weren't coaches screaming, hey, catch the ball. I mean, it was just boom, boom. It was just clockwork. And it was so fun to watch. And I think that's really sort of emanated through the entire team because the first few years, especially the Brian era, and, and I'm sure even before that, but in the Brian era in particular, when a guy made a mistake, what did you see? Run around the field, run around the field. We haven't seen many guys run around the field for a procedure penalty. Nope. Or we saw one today, Vincent Smith, and we'll talk about him later on because he was outstanding today. <laughs> he was unbelievable today. Um, People he, are saying who, but go on. He covered up a tight end. That was a procedure penalty, which is why DeAndre Hopkins lost that catch against the Giants because he covered up a, a, a lineman tight end. And so that was one. Uh, Clowney jumped early. That was another. And that was it. The operation on both sides, no procedure penalties. Guys lined up. Now, they're not always lined up perfectly. I mean, I can see sometimes when Akins and QT are in there together, sometimes they're not always totally sure where to go. But you're not seeing a bunch of procedure penalties. You're not seeing guys move. You're not seeing guys jump offside. It's just a clean, really clean operation that's also at a really high tempo. They're going fast. Changes are happening left and right. I mean, one series, one play, you're going to have Hopkins and Fuller and the two tight ends. The next play, you got Fuller and one of the tight ends and two other receivers. Then you got Hopkins and two tight ends and a different running back. I mean, it's and they're flying in and out. And I mean, there is very little time in between those changes, and there are no mistakes. It's really, it's really pleasurable to watch as a former coach, but also knowing that's got to be the way it is. That's the way the offense has to operate. It's got to be machine-like, and it really is getting to that point. Now, when they put on pads, it gets a little ragged, but they'll at least be able to have the run game that works for them, and that'll be kind of nice. But the operation has been so clean, and that's been really fun to watch. It has been enjoyable, and it's going to be enjoyable to watch the pass rush tomorrow. Like you mentioned, it's going to be live. Now, they're not going to hit the quarterback, but there will be some thud with the running backs for sure. I think a lot of running game action tomorrow. They want to get a look at these guys. And all the guys, the guys blocking, the guys trying to prevent yardage, the guys trying to make yardage with the balls in their hands. As you look at Terry Swanson as a rookie, you look at LeVon Coleman, you look at Troy Main Pope, some of these lesser-known names that we've been talking about all offseason long. Well, a guy who, like I mentioned in the first segment, not enough people have been asking Bill O'Brien about, Whitney Merciless, Dippy Sidhu, caught up with Whitney after practice today. And I was actually listening to Bill O'Brien uh, do his post-practice press conference, and he said, not enough people ask me about Whitney Merciless. He's a hell of a player. He has a great daily approach, and he said that you have a great attitude, which we definitely see <laughs> on the field yeah. and off the field as well. What's this camp like for you being a veteran? Uh, and it's just uh, understanding what, what the coaches expect of me, uh, just being a seven-year vet, uh, going to training camp, how to improve, how, you know, get the guy, young guys to come along, um, improve this team, you know, and just make sure they're stacking up good days, uh, and, like, after another. And also just earning our, our keep around here. That's about it. For you, does it feel like a different camp coming off the injury that you had last year? Does it 
feel a little bit different than your other camps? I'd say so with a lot of new hires that went on in the offseason and all that. Um, just a lot has changed around the locker room. Well, not the locker room, but the entire organization. And the all whole that. building looks different. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I mean, nutrition is great. Also, the facility looks awesome as well, too, and it's more efficient. People are putting in work to make sure that we stay healthy. Uh, we're the, in the best shape that we can be and come out here and try to, you know, start winning and stack some wins during the season. Last year with all the injuries, we saw a number of guys come back for camp, but you were one of the guys that was cleared very early on, so we saw you out there for OTAs and practices. How much did that help you get back into football shape, or is it really more about training camp now as far as getting into that shape? No, OTAs was important for me uh, just to start getting back into the rhythm of things such as rushing against the passer also playing the run as well and just understanding our defense, what we changed last year and also what the offense changed last year as well too so uh, I was appreciative just to be back out there get cleared early and then now training camp it's pretty much a cinch until these pads come on tomorrow. That's right. The pads come on. I'm sure you guys are very excited about that. Uh, another face that's a little bit familiar returning, Romeo Cornell. Mm-hmm. What's it been like being reunited with him on the field, having him out there? Oh, it's great. I mean, it's not it's as like riding a bike. Well, yeah, yeah. It's not like you left or anything like that. But it's great to just come to him, ask him questions. What does he? What, what does he think on certain plays? Why is he calling calls that he does against some of the personnel that we see out there? And it's, he's like the grandfather, honestly. Uh, yeah, it's just awesome to have him out there, have his wealth of knowledge in order to coach us and be better. All right, when the pads come on tomorrow, what is that like for you? How different is practice once the pads come on in camp? Man, I mean, we're going to get, I'd like to say we'd be whooping some something, but uh, be kicking some tail for sure. All right. All right. Well, Whitney, you're one of the guys that we're going to sort of follow along through camp for a feature that we call Training Camp Diaries. And you've done this before, obviously. You've done this at the Greenbrier before. So let's start with last night after practice. How did you unwind after day one at the Greenbrier? Give us the lowdown. See how unwinded after practice. Or well, when do, when does the day end for you? Because oh, after practice, eight, yeah. you've got a lot. You got a lot of stuff happening. Yeah, exactly. About uh, eight p.m., you know, I went to the uh, training room, got a couple uh, dry needle sessions like acupuncture, and then uh, after that, got a little uh, little massage, rolled back to the crib, the hotel room, um, just laid down, you know, read my Bible, um, caught up on some emails, and uh, just relaxed and just uh, didn't even listen to any music. Just to, like I don't do any of that. Just whisk my way on to sleep. So you're not like a TV guy or movie guy? You don't stock up and sort of catch up on all your shows? Nah, it's not enough time, you know? The thing is, like, well, I should probably be saying that I looked at my playbook, but did not because uh, I was just so dang old tired. And so I just, you know, I, like I can't watch TV or anything like that because I'll stay up. So I didn't go to sleep until about a good 11, good 11. Yeah, probably enough sleep. All right, can you describe your room to me? Because I just love the rooms at the Greenbrier, as I'm sure you do too. But what does your room look like? Colors, I want patterns, I want it all. Gosh, I, I wish the Greenbrier would let me, you know, do some interior designing for sure in my own room. Um, you know, floral uh, floral wall play, uh, paper. Um, it's like pinkish, green, yellow, you know, it's a lot, <laughs> a lot of colors going on. with Nothing the, screams Whitney Merciless, like pink and green oh, wallpaper. Oh, and green flooring, too. Green <laughs> carpeting. Uh, it's just wonderful. And then uh, old school, uh, kind of like an old school toilet. I think there's a bidet in there. <laughs> I don't know. Like, it's kind of suspect, but uh, I don't, would never use it. Um, yeah, that's about it. Oh, also, I do have a couch. Like, it's kind of like a little suite. So Is I that got, floral, too? Yeah, it's all floral. Okay. Yeah, okay. It's just too much flowers. We're running with the theme here, I can sense. All right, now today, day two. Mm-hmm. What time did you wake up? What was your morning routine like? Woke up at 5.30, got into the uh, training room, got a stretch in, did some rehab from my back, things like that. Then, uh, let's see, ate a little bit. Want to go work out with Luke Richardson and all the guys. Uh, did that. What then. did you eat pre-workout? Pre-workout, oh, gosh, I had like a green shake. 
had that. Um, and uh, gosh, beef jerky. Okay, green shake and beef jerky, and then you head out to practice after that, or you have meetings? Oh, no. Meetings, meetings until uh, from eight to about ten, ten twenty. Uh, then we do a little activation with uh, Luke. Come out to practice, get a heart rate up, and uh, just go. For people that are listening, what is activation? Activation is just uh, starting to get the heart rate up, start moving, getting the blood flow, uh, blood flow running essentially, and uh, just making sure you're moving good. Um, and like your core is activated, glutes are activated, uh, everything is running in unison. That's about it. All right, so we followed you out here at camp, so I kind of know how things went at practice. After practice, what happens next for you guys? After practice, pretty much uh, now it's like region uh, recovery, kind of like you drink a shake or something like that. Also, you just like roll out, use a, uh, I don't know, this like type of gun. I don't know what they call it. It's just like you just, it's, it's called a hammer. So you just hammer you just out. Sort of roll out your yeah. king. Exactly. That's about it. Cold tubs. Do you, work, do you have a partner that you do this with, or are you just sort of flying solo on these things? Uh, you fly solo uh, sometimes, or you know, it just depends what guys want to do. That's about it. Usually, I hang around like B Mag, Brian Peters, those guys uh, to do it. But you know, I'm, sometimes I'm a solo guy, just to you know, listen to some music, be by myself, think about what happened throughout the day before I get cussed out <laughs> by the coaches. Yeah. Positive thinking. They're waiting. All right, Winnie, I'm going to let you go. But first of all, what do you think's for lunch today? Oh. Man, it was by, uh, kebabs yesterday. I'm thinking it's probably going to be some spaghetti or something like that, hopefully. Man, I would love those cookies back, but uh, we got to talk. see any cookies. Nah, those cookies are so good. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> the Greenbrier cookies are the best. Oh, uh, they're amazing. I right. think. You're the best, too, Whitney. But before I let you go, also hair. Um, I asked DJ Reader this yesterday. He's got a different look. I want to ask you about the linebackers. Who's got the best hair? I have my vote. I want to know if it's the same as yours. Mm. B-Mac. Really? Be B-Mac. I was going to go Peter Columbite. I can see his hair from a mile away. Really? With the headband and the, the flowing locks. Oh, nah, nah, nah. You made fun of BMAC last year. Yeah, exactly. Time. Oh, no question. That's why. That's why. Looks You're like jo- joking. Yeah, minion. He looks like a minion, but <laughs> that's it. That's definitely dead now. <laughs> All right, good stuff. Thanks so much, Whitney. No problem. Appreciate it. We'll hit you up next week okay. for diary entry number two. Number How's two? That? Okay, yeah, definitely. And then we're going to get real personal. All right. All right. No, Sounds good. <laughs> There's DP Sitter with Whitney Merciless. And by the way, Whitney is going to be part of our Ruckers Texans Players shows. When the regular season gets underway, he'll do the shows at Stafford as usual. And it's always special to get Whitney out there with everybody at Ruckers, all the Texans fans. Can't wait to see you guys when the season gets rolling. Tuesday after Labor Day will be our first show. Just keep in tune. Keep in touch for details. On the first guest, it'll probably be the 59 Greenway location, in all likelihood. That's where we'd like to begin it. So, next up, Brian Gain. What did he have to say about the offensive linemen today? We'll get into that next as Texans All Access continues.
Great to have you listening to Texans All Access tonight. Coming your way from the Greenbrier, high above, relatively high above the old white course here as we overlook that. This is kind of our little butler cabin evening show for Texans training camp. And let's recap what happened with Brian Gain this morning, the general manager of your Texans. And John Harris starts off the conversation and you can tell Johnny's looking forward to seeing the team in pads tomorrow. Brian, as we've gone through OTAs and minicamps, they've been in the same outfit, shorts and jerseys, et cetera, and they got one more day of that. How important does Saturday become the first time you get to see these guys? And, I mean, there are a number of free agent signees on the offensive line, a number of rookies out there. How important does Saturday become for the guys that finally get to bang a little bit? So, so Saturday will be another day for, of evaluation. Naturally, the, the, the tempo and the intensity will be much higher than – what uh what we'll, we'll see here these first two days um but i like to think we spend so much time preparing our players to be ready uh for for that uh, session when we do have the pads on um even but the days that when we don't have the pads on they're critically important too because timing coordination communication footwork technique re- requires a lot of mental focus and although you might not be having the engagement and the contact, the, the, those certainly are our focus days. So tomorrow will be a good test for our players and a good evaluation from us for us as it relates to the composition of the 90-man roster. All right, let's talk offensive line now. And it's really going to be a new unit this year because you have Nick Martin back, of course, but you signed your free agents at guard and everything. What about the total picture there, Brian, as you look for the best starting five to begin the season? Sure. So uh, it, that question makes me reflect on, on the offseason. And when, when we started our, our offseason plan, we, we certainly wanted to address address the improvement in terms of the personnel on the offensive line. So um, we feel with the upgrades and the additions that we made through free agency and the draft, we created more more depth, more depth. We certainly created more versatility, and then thirdly, we created more competition. So the best five will play as it relates to uh, who gets the starting jobs. The other part about that is, you know, we think about our game day roster as well. If you're dressing seven offensive linemen, or if you're dressing eight offensive linemen, you know, who's player six, who's player seven, um, and then when you think about the 53, how many offensive linemen are you going to keep? It could range from anywhere as low as eight to maybe as high as 11. All that will work itself out, we think. Um, but nevertheless, we feel like we addressed, upgraded the depth, the versatility, and, and the competition of the unit. Brian, for so long, Dwayne Brown played that left tackle position and obviously not going to anymore. And it can, it can be a number of guys, but one guy that we have focused on is Julian Davenport. Played left tackle at Bucknell, then all of a sudden he comes to the NFL. You go from facing VMI to facing Yannick Ngakwe. I mean, that's a very difficult transition. But that year one to year two jump we always talk about, if he makes that a successful jump in year one to year two, what kind of player do you think Julian Davenport can be? Well, the first thing I think about is player development. And, and that, that's a, a long cycle. It doesn't happen overnight. We can't microwave players. I've often said that to the scouts. We've got to invest in their development and, and, and work on, on, that, on their craft. So I think the, the, the play time and the starts that he got last year will certainly pay us some dividends here as we move into this season. Um, as, re- as it relates to the physical requirements and, and parameters that he has, he has size, he has length, he has athletic ability. He had a good offseason in terms of strength development and core development. Uh, and I think the, the year of seasoning that he had is starting to show potentially some dividends here on the field as we progress into our practice sec- sessions and equally in the OTAs. With that play time, too, comes confidence. And every day he's going out here, yeah. he's playing against Whitney Merciless, J.J. Watt, and when J.D. Clowney gets back out there, those are three guys we think that'll battle test him to be ready for the season. 
Brian, in my expert football opinion, Chantrell Henderson is large. He's a very large human being. So uh, let's discuss what he brings to he the table. He went deep in another reason yes. for that study. Yeah. So I would, I would expand on this with our offensive line uh, parameters. We, we certainly wanted to upgrade the talent and the composition of the group through free agency in the draft. But equally, Bill and I wanted to get bigger, longer, and stronger on the offensive line. He certainly meets those parameters. All, all our free agents, we felt added to, to those dimensions. But uh, Central has versatility, number one, to play either the right side or the left side. Right now he's, he's here working on the right side, but he equally has the ability to go over to the left. So when I think about the game day flexibility and when you're dressing seven offensive linemen, if and when adversity strikes, we have that degree of flexibility to manage the roster uh, as it relates to dressing a 46-man roster. Uh, Central has had starts on the right side. He's had some starts on the left, both preseason and regular season. So he's had play time on both sides. And just perhaps this is year, what, year four, year five of his career. Maybe now it's time mm-hmm. where, where, where he maybe hasn't earned that full-time job. Our opportunity is here to be a full-time starter. He's competing for that role. He's working in that role right now. But perhaps right now where he is in his career, perhaps now it's time. Mm-hmm. Brian, on the interior, there are guys, and, and Mark mentioned Nick Martin. He played center, but he could play guard. Zach Fulton played center. He's been at guard. He can play either. He had to do that in OTAs because Nick wasn't quite ready. How important is that versatility on the inside for guys to be able to play center and guard? And which do you think is ultimately more difficult to play? We were talking about this yesterday, center or guard. It's hard to say, but I would say as it relates to uh, Zach Fulton, we're pleased that we got him in free agency. It goes back to what we talked about. Two, two minutes ago, the physical parameters. Yeah. You're talking about a guy who's six foot five, 315 pounds, long arms. The great thing about Zach is he actually has generated starts at all three spots on the interior. I, legitimately, he could start at left guard, right guard, or center if and when we needed him to do that. So that's the beauty of, of his versatility. When it comes to the center guard combination, there's a whole lot of communication there. If you think about how it works down the line from the center to the guard to the tackle, you know, Zach is well versed in communicating from inside to the left, from inside to the right. So he's had to do all those things in his career. So his ability to communicate and his intelligence factor, whether he plays center or guard, if he's lining up at guard, my instinct tells me he he knows a lot what the center is already thinking about. So the communication factor is excellent so far as it relates to that. Brian, Senio Calamete, he started for a postseason team in the New Orleans Saints last year, explosive offense. What about what he can do for you? Your your question makes me think of one thing. These three free agents that we brought in all had postseason experience last mm-hmm. year. Santrell in Buffalo, Senio, and uh, and Zach Fulton. They've all had postseason ex- playing experience. Uh, it goes back to the versatility, number one. He's had starts at left guard, right guard, at center. He's even played offensive tackle, and he's even played the jumbo tight end role. For us here right now, he's our, our day one starting right guard, so he's competing for that spot goes back to the physical parameters this guy is six foot three six foot four over 300 pounds long arms good athlete what he adds for us is 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 a uh is an athletic dimension that can play in line as it relates to those blocking assignments but also get to the second level and he's a pretty good puller Mm -hmm. so we're excited about the athleticism that he adds to the group when we think about the composition of the interior where nick martin is healthy coming back you got a big presence in zach fulton in terms of power and strength and then you have this athletic presence with Senio Calamente. So the composition of Zach and Senio, we think, creates a, uh, a complementary dimension 
with our two guards. Brian, a guy that we have have talked about, and sometimes I, I tend to I'll say I tend to forget about him, but a guy that was drafted late, and I know we've talked to OB about him, and that they they like Kyle Fuller. What have you seen in Kyle coming back in year two? And can Kyle be a guy that competes to maybe get in that starting five somewhere? Yeah, so height and length, uh, physical ability, has the physical dimensions that we like. Six foot five, 310, 315 pounds. He's got guard, center flex, and I keep going back to the game day roster. Yeah. So if he's competing for a roster spot, that's great. But how does he get the jersey on game day? Yeah. So if he's going to be your sixth or seventh offensive lineman, if you're a one-hole player, that creates some problems as it relates to how you manage the 46-man roster. So his ability to demonstrate that he can be a three-hole guy and play center, left guard, and right guard will be critically important in order for him to get a, a game day jersey to yeah. get to the 46-man. We like his promise. We like his pretent- potential. There's a lot of upside. It's year two. He's had a good off season. Uh, we think the arrow's up, but he's got a pretty good ceiling. No, well, we don't know if uh, I don't know if he can catch, but he can play tight end. We have seen that. <laughs> We've seen that. All right, a couple of quick ones for you, Brian. I know you got to go, but tell us a little bit about David Quesenberry here trying to make this squad and make a contribution, and also Greg Mance, who, again, has that versatility you like. First and foremost, I, and I've told David this, he is an inspiration. Mm-hmm. He is an inspiration to many, and maybe many he doesn't even know. Um, this guy is an excellent pro. His approach, his mindset, his competitive nature, he is an excellent teammate. Uh, and, and above all, he's, he's, a, he's a great person. He's got size. He's got length. He's got versatility. He's played tackle in the past. He's played guard. He's even played center. He's competing for a roster spot. He's given his best out there. So we're optimistic that you know he's going to make these things a, a very, very difficult decision for us as it relates to how many offensive linemen we keep. Uh, with Greg Manns, uh, we're happy to have him. Obviously, he's had uh, very, very good uh, game day versatility for us in the past. He's had to get starts in the past so we like if he's one of our backups and he's not in the starting role that this guy actually has experience in the starting job so to have that luxury of a guy who's functioning either as your sixth or seventh interior game day offensive lineman like he's actually had to go and play and go in and play games greg's a great teammate he's smart he's versatile another guy that's a big guy six foot five 310 pounds um smart intelligent can play three positions we're happy to have him brian thanks a lot for joining us we appreciate it you're welcome all right, Johnny, anything jump out about what Brian Gain had to say about the old lineman today? We always talk about versatility. A lot yeah. of these guys can play different spots. He likes Chantrell Henderson. Yep. You can tell. It's time. I think that jumped that, out to that, both of us. Yeah, exactly. When he said that, I went, hmm. I was talking to Eric Sanasencio about that, about it's time. I thought that was very an interesting way of putting it because Chantrell is the number one recruit in the country. He didn't have a great college career, but it wasn't awful. Right. But, but he just didn't maximize his potential. And then he goes to Buffalo, and it starts well. But then Crohn's disease and some other aspects hit him, and it's just he couldn't get it going back in the right direction. Right. And so I think Brian's right. It's time. He's on a one-year deal. That's got to be motivating, I would think, for him to be able to establish something long-term with an organization. Right. And he's going to have that opportunity. There's no question about it. But – the other words that rang in my head are words that we've talked about for a while. Bigger, longer, stronger. Yep. I was looking across the field, and I just happened to see Fulton standing next to Julian, standing next to Chantrell. And they just were all three standing in a row, and I just his words rang in my head as I looked across and went, those are some pretty impressive dudes. Yep. From that standpoint, bigger, stronger, fa- or bigger, bigger stronger, longer, Though that fits the bill right there. Yeah. Now you just 
for his sake, I would imagine they've got to be able to get that all the way throughout. The seven or eight guys yeah. that he talked about that they're going to have on the 46, depending on who it's going to be, I know he wants to have that all the way throughout. And I don't know that he feels like he's totally there yet, but I know with the guys that they brought in, they absolutely thought that through. And those are the type of guys that they're going to continue to bring in. So um, seeing them, it sort of reverberated in my mind what he said about that, the bigger, longer, stronger. You can see it. It's evidence right there, and in particular, those three guys. All right, Johnny, thanks a lot for your time. You got it, Mark. Thank you. All right, all weekend long, we'll be covering practice. HoustonTexans.com is your destination, your location for everything Texans, all the coverage. And check out all the social media platforms as well, Twitter, Snapchat, Facebook, Instagram. We've got you covered via training camp or on training camp via those platforms. All right, thanks a lot to everyone for listening and participating in the program tonight. Whitney Merciless, and earlier on we had Dylan Cole, D.P. Sidhu, Drew Doherty, John Harris, Brian Gain. Have a great weekend, everyone, and go Texans.